Blog Talk Radio.
National this evening. This is your sister Pearl within the word with your sister Pearl on a Sunday evening or whenever you might be listening to this broadcast on demand. Uh, God bless you, Evangelist Montel Fields. I just thank God for the visionary that you are and uh, hosting this wonderful, wonderful radio program, directing it and allowing so many of us this opportunity to spread the word of God. I want to give a special welcome to the newest nations in our Reaching Out Radio International family. And those new nations are the Ukraine, Croatia, Finland, Iceland, Spain, Indonesia, and the Himalayans. A very, very warm welcome to you and to all of our other guests that have been listening around the world and all of the continents. We're so grateful to, uh, just so grateful to be with you tonight. God bless you. It is our sincere wish and prayer that as you listen to these broadcasts, you will be greatly encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And if you do not know the Lord as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you will be drawn to follow him through these messages from God's precious holy word. So I'm going to go with a new message tonight. But before I do that, why don't we just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to illuminate our minds, captivate our hearts, 
and draw us to him like never before. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we just approach your throne humbly, but also with great confidence because you invited us to come before your throne and to pray and to ask what we will. And if we pray according to your will, we ask the Heavenly Father in the name of his Son, the Lord Jesus, then we know that you've heard our prayers and you have answered our prayers. And you will certainly answer our prayers. So, Father, I just ask you to touch every man, every woman, every young man, every young woman, every boy, every girl, every older person that is listening to this message tonight. God, just draw us closer to you. Help us open up our understanding that we would get clearly in our minds that Jesus is God. I'm so glad about that. Father, beat back the forces of darkness, bind uh, and rebuke anything that would uh, be hit or thrown at us by the enemy to try to distract us tonight or whenever these people are listening to this broadcast. God, set every hindrance aside and help us to be clear in our thinking and just able to understand and grasp your holy word by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray and we believe in faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So tonight, we're going to talk about Jesus is God. Jesus, I'm going to read now from Mark. That's the second book in the New Testament, the second of the four Gospels. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the second book in the New Testament is the book of Mark. And it reads like this, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? Clyde, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And the Messiah means the anointed one. And that's taken from Mark's gospel, chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. Now, people get confused when they're not sure or second-guess who Jesus truly was And is today. Your entire life, mine as a believer, it becomes a hit and miss game if you're struggling with who Jesus is. Bottom line, if you're not sure of who Jesus is, you'll never be uh, sure of who you are in him. You won't understand who you are in Christ. So let's settle the true identity of Christ once and for all. Jesus is God. I want you to listen to tonight's broadcast to learn from God's word what he said about himself. Okay? And even if you have an opportunity, try to reach out to a friend, a neighbor, and invite them to come and listen to the remainder of this message for about the next 47 minutes or so. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, 
we see uh, that Jesus fed 5,000, 5,000 people. That's a lot of people to be fed in those days. Then in the seventh chapter, he heals the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. He heals a deaf and a mute man. In the next chapter, eight, he feeds 4,000, and he heals a blind man. He clearly was meeting the different needs of the people that he encountered. Then it was after the disciples experienced all of these miracles and Jesus was teaching them about the kingdom of God, he asked his disciples this question. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? It is one thing for you to know what others think about Christ. However, the main question is, who do you say that Christ is? Each of us is going to have to answer to God for ourselves individually. If you remember and you listen to previous messages that I was teaching, you'll remember that we, we learned that Adam and Eve, when they were back in the Garden of Eden and they sinned against God, they did not get judged or questioned as a group or as a tribe, but they were questioned as to what they did individually, each one stood before God for himself, or in the case of Eve herself, and even the serpent had to answer to his creator God in Genesis 3. Now, teaching that animals are going to be judged by God. The Bible doesn't talk about that, so I'm not saying that. But I am saying that in Genesis chapter 3, sure enough, the serpent had to give an account to God for what he did. And he was cursed because of what he did. So was Adam, so was Eve. The previous answers from the crowds were not satisfactory. The disciples said that some people who were in the crowd thought that Jesus was merely a good prophet. Now remember, this was after they experienced Jesus not only ministering to 5,000 people at a time, this was before we had the internet, of course, thousands of years before any, any invention of the Internet, uh, there was no such thing as microphones. Um, there was no such thing, social media, none of that. So Jesus miraculously was able to minister to so many people at that time. And not only did he minister to all those people, but he even fed them. How could one man and his 12 disciples feed 5,000 people in a crowd and their children. So it was clear that Jesus was performing miracles in front of these people. But yet at the same time, when they were asked about who do they think Jesus was, uh, the disciples answered Jesus and said, well, look, some of these people think that you're just a, a good prophet. You're merely a good prophet. Or even John the Baptist reincarnated. And of course, there is no such thing as reincarnation. We don't find that in the word of God. That's in wrong teaching in other religions. But we're not talking about religion tonight. We're talking about truth because Jesus said in John chapter 8, you shall know the truth. And the truth will do something tremendous. The truth will set you free. 
So there is no such thing as reincarnation. When you and I uh, are born on this earth, we have one opportunity on this earth. That's why it's good to turn our lives over to Jesus now because there is no such thing as, okay, you die and then your relatives pray for you to get you out of hell and to try to get you into another place. It's not like that. We have one shot on planet Earth, and there is no reincarnation. So John the Baptist was not being reincarnated. If you remember or if you know the story, and if you don't, I can tell you that John the Baptist was also the cousin of of Jesus in the the natural, and um, he was beheaded. So some of the people, when they saw how Jesus was so – uh, he knew so much and he was doing so many wonderful things, they thought that maybe he was John the Baptist reincarnated. Still others thought that he might have been Elijah, the prophet from the Old Testament times that was taken up to be with God. Of course, Jesus was neither of these great Bible characters. He was God, and he is God, the very one who created Elijah. Jesus created John the Baptist and all the other prophets that ever lived. This is why we call the first four books of the New Testament the Gospels, because the Gospels reveal the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ coming to the earth and taking on human flesh in order that he could pay a price for us that we could never pay for ourselves. Because you and I are guilty of sin. Punishment for sin is death. And the blood has to be shed to be able to pay the price for our sins. But your blood is not good enough to pay for your sins. My blood is not good enough to pay for my sins because my blood and your blood is not pure. We're not blameless. We're not faultless. You have sinned before God, and I have sinned before God. And every human being that comes into this world, the Bible says we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity because we take after the original father and mother, Adam and Eve. They sinned in the garden, and those are our great, 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 and even more great ancestors. And what about them? Well, the first mother was a thief. I like to say that because it's the truth. I like to just explain it. The first father was a receiver of stolen goods. And you might ask me, well, how did they wind up stealing? Well, told them they could have from any other tree that was in the garden. And there was probably, I don't know because the Bible doesn't say, I'm just imagining thousands of wonderful wonderful uh, fruit-bearing trees. You could just imagine of any wonderful fruit that is good for your health and delicious. That was in the garden. And God allowed them to eat of any of those. He only said there was only one tree, just one, in the middle of the garden that they weren't supposed to eat from that tree. And that's the one that they ate from. So they sinned. They did something that God told them not to do. 
And that's called sin. When you and I do things that God tells us not to do, that is outside of the will of God, that offends a holy God, that grieves God, that misses the mark of where God wants us to hit, when we go outside of God's will, that's called sinning. And so they sinned, Adam and Eve, and we're all relatives in some way or the other from Adam and Eve because that was the first mother and the first father. So that's what the Bible means about we were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Our forefathers were sinners. Again, I say, Mary, I mean, Eve was a thief because she stole from a tree, told her, do not take anything from that. And then Adam, who knew even better than her, he received that which she stole. So he was a receiver of stolen goods. So it, 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 they're both guilty. They're both guilty. And so for that reason, their blood is not good enough to be shed to cover our sin. Just like my blood is not good enough to cover sin and to pay the penalty for sin. Only one person's blood could pay the penalty for not only my sin and your sin, but the sins of the entire world. And that is God himself. No mistake about it. Jesus is God. Now, he, he came to the earth, but he always was God. And we're going to learn that as we go on in our lesson this evening. But he came to the earth specifically for the purpose of giving his life as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for my sin, to pay the penalty for your sin. So it is critical to understand that Jesus was, when he walked on the earth as a man, he was fully man, yet fully God at that time. All we who claim to be followers of Christ must know who we are following. How am I going to follow somebody? I'm not even sure of who he is. Well, he says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11, and I love this verse. I, only I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. Nobody else is going to be able to help you like Jesus can help you. I, only I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. Again, that's from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 43 and verse 11. Time that Moses, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Because God was going to send, this story you can read in the book of Exodus. God was going to send, and God did send, Moses to deliver the children of Israel out from the hard bondage of Pharaoh. Moses was to tell the people of Israel that the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the same God who is going to use Moses 
to deliver the people out of the hands of the terrible bondage they were experiencing in Egypt. And again, for you to really understand this story, please open up your Bible and go to the second book in the Old Testament. It's the book of Exodus. Exodus means that they left. They took leave of where they were in bondage in Egypt. There was a mass exodus out of Egypt. Now, this God is called I am that I am because Moses, he he was terrified of of what he was going to tell these people. I'm going to go in front of a bunch of people and I'm going to tell them that God sent me. Well, if God sent me, who am I going to say is this God who is sending me? God told Moses, tell the people that I am that I am is sending you. And indeed, God did exactly what he promised to do. He did deliver the people out of Egypt. Under the most trying and brutal circumstances, God did deliver the entire nation of Israel from Egypt, just as he promised he would do. And that's our God. If he says something, he is definitely going to do it. God literally allowed them to escape They escaped their oppressors by opening up the red what God did. Can you imagine? That's the kind of God that we have, a miracle-working God, a God that will do anything that's necessary to help his children. So he literally opened up the Red Sea and allowed them to cross over on dry land. Now, it's a fantastic story. Again, it's found in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. But, but what did God say to Moses exactly? And I want to I read it exactly from the Bible. I am who I am, God said to Moses. I am who I am. And he said, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. The I am who I am. Wow. Then in the New Testament, okay, remember now, this was in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. And God is telling Moses, when Moses said, well, who, who shall I say sent me? And, and who is it? Who is this God? Tell them, Moses, I am has sent me, meaning Moses, to you, meaning the people. I am sent Moses to the people of Israel. And then in the New Testament, in John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59, look at what the word of God says. Verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Wow. Let's read that again. Verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, at this, the Bible says in verse 59, this I'm reading from John chapter 8. 
verses 58 and 59. 59 says, At this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, he used the term ego emi, which is the equivalent to the I am passages found in Exodus 3. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he identified himself as the covenant-keeping God of Israel, which is why the leadership wanted to stone him to death. He used the same term that was used in the Old Testament that God told Moses to tell the people, I am has sent you, Moses, to these people. And now Jesus, in John chapter 8, he's using the same term. And he's saying, listen, before Abraham, now Abraham was the father and is the father of the Jewish faith. But he said before Abraham was even born, I am. In other words, I'm the one who created Abraham. Then in Mark chapter 14, verses 61, the the end portion, I call it part B of 61. Mark 14, 61, the second part of that verse, through verse 62, it says like this. When Jesus was arrested and stood before the Sanhedrin court, filled with the high Jewish priests and teachers, Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Now listen to Jesus' answer in verse 62. I am. He could have just said yes, but he specifically said, I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, this is definitely not just any ordinary man. This is God. I'm making any clearer than this. Also, as we've mentioned in earlier messages, the disciple, John the Beloved, makes it crystal clear in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, and the Word became flesh, meaning became man, meaning became a part of humanity, and lived and dwelt among us or with One of the big ways to tell if you're involved or listening to cultic teachings is that they all fall, they all of them, without any exception, they all fail to recognize that Jesus is God. They will go around the bush and say he's a good prophet, he was a good teacher, he was a this, he was a that, but they will all stop short of saying that he's God. And then, of course, 
they have to say that he's not God because all of these false cults, I'm going to help you tonight by the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sister Pearl is going to help you. When you hear people saying that Jesus was just a good man, but he wasn't God, you need to run. You need to get away from that group as fast as you can because they're not telling you the truth. Jesus is God. And the reason that they have to try to demote him from being God is because they're going to come up and tell you some story about how they had a dream, a vision, a revelation, a new teaching, and all of a sudden now there's new enlightenment not found in the word of God. See, and anything that's not found in the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Bible, is going off. Okay? And if you want me to be more clear, let me say it like this. The Jehovah Witness, that's one of the cults. There's many. That is one of them. One of many. Jehovah Witnesses, they rewrote the Bible to change John chapter 1. So John chapter 1 in the Watchtower version of the Bible, which is not the correct version, that says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, small g. It's not Jesus. That's something that was made up by the founder of that cult. And then when you go to the different ones, all the different ones, they'll talk about, you know, well, Jesus was a good prophet, but they won't say he's God. Even the Mormons will not say that he is actually God. They'll even say Savior, but, but they won't put him as God because now they're going to add to the Bible because of Joseph Smith, who was their leader and their founder. But it's a cult. It's not the truth. Then there's, there's all kinds. I know when I was ministering in Asia, there's one in, they go by many different names. First it was Eastern Light. Uh, and now it's the Almighty Church of God, but it's not right. It sounds good. Doesn't that sound good? But it teaches that Jesus has come back and is now a woman and living someplace in a hidden location in China. Now, if you read the word of God, then you will know that no matter what the different cult or the different wrong teaching goes by, if they do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God, something is wrong. This is what makes me a believer. This is what makes you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus asked the question of the disciples, because he wanted, he wanted to hear their answer. Of course, he knew. He knew what they were going to answer because he was also God, fully man at that time, but fully God. But he wanted, he wanted them to question, put the question to them. He says to his disciples, 
But what do you think of Christ? Because that's going to always reveal whether you have the legitimate understanding of Christianity or not. Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, perfect in Godhead and manhood, one with the Father from the very beginning. And in God, there was, he has no beginning. My finite mind and your finite mind has to come up with some kind of a beginning. But in, in God's world, which is not my world, there is, he has no beginning because he's God. Now, Jesus took upon himself the nature of man, and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the virgin. Mary. So, so, so that's why she could not have physical relations with her husband, Joseph, until after she gave birth to Jesus. He was the only man ever to live a sinless life. That's why his death on the cross was a substitution. We call it substitutionary and complete sacrifice for our sin. I remember being in the Philippines many years ago. I've been there several times, but in one of those trips, I was in a particular island in one of the southern islands, and there were men during Easter time, during the time that we celebrate resurrection, there were men that were actually getting on top of having people help them to get impaled Nailed to a cross, even for one or two seconds, but nailed to a cross to atone for their sin. Now, I want to let you know, not only is this extreme ignorance, ignorance means they just did not know better, but it's an insult to God who is holy. It is such an insult to God. For, my, for me to go on a cross and to pretend like my shed blood could help myself or anybody else. See, there's nothing that you can do or I can do in and of ourselves or in and of myself to help myself or help anybody else, especially not forgiveness of sin. And even I see people that they make sacrifices and they get on their knees and they, 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 they crawl, you know, on, on, on cobble stones and very rough, thorny uh, ground, hoping that God will have mercy on them and that God will somehow be compassionate to see their great sacrifice and their great pains and that he will somehow save them. But that's not the way it works. God has order. God has order. And God sent his son, Jesus, so that he would pay the price for my sin and your sin. But see, just like those Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders in John chapter 8, They wanted to pick up stones 
to stone Jesus. Why? Because when they looked upon him, they saw a human being just like them. And, and they didn't want to believe that he was who he said he was, but he was. He said, before Abraham was born, I am. This is someone that I can follow. This is someone that I can give my allegiance to. Someone that created me. Because the Bible says again in John chapter 1 that nothing was created. When you look upon the heavens, when you look upon the stars, when you look and see the moon, when you look and see uh, the sun, when you see the beautiful trees in the forest, and you see the beautiful animals that God created, whether you see them out in the wild or you, you go to a zoo and you see them, who created this? The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that the Word created this, the Word of God. And who is called the Word of God? Jesus is called the Word of God. And then the Word became flesh and lived among us. So this is not just merely, we're not talking, when we talk about Jesus, let's get it right. Let's, let's, let's not get confused. We're talking about God when we talk about Jesus. We're talking about God loving us so much that he came in the person of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, and he gave his life as a ransom for us. This is how and why those of us that believe in the biblical understanding of Jesus Christ, we don't call Mary the mother of God. We call her Mary the mother of Jesus. Why do we say that? Let me explain. Because God has always been. Before Jesus came to the earth, God is. And Jesus even said, before Abraham was, Born, I am. That's deep. You, you, there is no way that you can take that and try to twist it to something else, to mean something else. Jesus said before Abraham was born, I am. And so Mary, God bless her, was a wonderful woman, somebody that God handpicked, a virgin young woman. But, but she was not involved when God the Father and God the Son, you know, said that, you know, Jesus is going to be sent to the world. She was nowhere in that picture because she was not even born. She was born of a natural mother and a natural father. She's not God. She didn't even know that she was going to be with child. The angel is the one who had to tell her. That's clear in Scripture. So we honor her, absolutely. We thank God for her. Thank God for so many other people that God used in the word of God, even though they didn't birth Jesus into the world, but they were used of God, they obeyed God, they followed God. And even when Mary was told by the angel that she was going to be with child and have the Christ child, she said, be it. Unto me, just as you have said, in other words, 
I am your servant. Whatever you say, I'm here to serve you. I pray that that could be the desire of, of, of your heart to be my desire. Actually, it is my desire. But I pray that I have that desire no matter what God tells me. Sometimes he tells me to, to suffer persecution. I'm going under some severe persecution right now. But you know what? It's okay because Jesus is with me. He promised never to leave me and never to forsake me. Guess what? He promised never to leave you and never to forsake you either if you have placed your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. And you have to believe that Jesus is God because if you see the enemy, let me just take my time and explain. The enemy would love for you to be confused about who Jesus is. Because if you're confused, like I said in the very beginning of this program, confused about who Jesus is, you are not, and I repeat, you will not have the faith to believe what God told you as a child of his because you're not even sure who he is, who God is. It's only one God manifested in three different persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also God. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit tonight, but the Holy Spirit is God. I say these three persons, I'm not talking about, you know, three different people walking around in heaven or a one God with three different heads. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about in the person, three persons, persons. Three different offices, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Beautiful. When you hear anybody else saying anything else contrary to what the Word of God says, then you know you need to just move on by. It's not right. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 3, therefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people get, might get confused about that, but what that basically is saying, that if you do not call Jesus who he really is, you're calling him accursed. And the reason that you're calling him accursed is that you don't have the spirit of God in you because you can only declare that he is God, that he is the Lord by the Holy Spirit influencing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you understand that, yes, Jesus is God? When people talk about the word grace, and maybe one night I might just teach on God's grace, we, we, we look at it 
always as, you know, his favor, but it's also his influence upon the heart of a man and a woman that's totally abandoned and dedicated and committed to him. That's the grace of God. And you and I cannot do that unless we have the grace of God shed abroad in our hearts. So remember that no man can really speak that Jesus is God or Jesus is the Lord. And the Lord our God is one. That's from the word of God. The Lord our God is one. So you might say, oh, well, it doesn't say that Jesus is God. It says Jesus is the Lord. Well, Jesus is the Lord means Jesus is God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. And no one can, can really call Jesus accursed or call Jesus something other than what he really is unless that person is not right. The only reason why these people can say that Jesus is not God or he's something else is because they're not right. They're not speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, Jesus wants us to understand at least this much about him. You and I can never fully comprehend or grasp the full concept of who God is. He's too deep. He's too high. He's too wide, too great. He's too vast. He's God. My mind and your mind is limited in our understanding. But for what we can understand, clearly he wants us to understand who he is. That's why he's given us his word. That's why he gave us the precious Holy Bible so that we can understand who he is. Who is it that we are giving our allegiance to? It's God and no one else besides God. God. And heaven help you if you are giving your allegiance to anyone besides Jesus, besides God. We, we don't want to do that. You want to give your life fully to God. He says, I only, I am the Lord. Isaiah 43, 11 again. And there is no savior besides me. Only God can save us from our sin. And only Jesus was able to save us from our sin. Therefore, only Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not some woman that now is taking over and, and she's the new Jesus. No. And even Church of, the, of Sung Young Moon Church, the Moonies, you know, they say that Jesus failed in his mission because he was supposed to have a family and then he was supposed to have children and then that would be, this is all false teaching. So if anybody's listening to me and these nice people come around you and, and they act nice to you, but they're lying. They're lying. Jesus did not fail in his mission. You're not going to get salvation by marrying the right person. The right person is not going to give you salvation. See, all of this is false teaching, telling you that you need to get married, and then you and your, your wife are going to have spirit children. This is all false teaching. This is why it's called cult. It's not right. Sun Young Moon got it wrong. Joseph Smith got it wrong. He wound up with a bunch of, of wives taking 
wives and taking people's young girls and young daughters. I mean, this is, this is when people go off of Scripture and then they want to be like God. And then they'll come up with they had a dream, they had a revelation. But anything that you hear from people, if it is not based in the word of God, I'm going to encourage you not to believe it. I'm going to get a verse for you. I didn't have plan this, but I, I want to get this from the word of God. It's, it's a group called um, the Bereans. And even Paul the Apostle, a mighty, mighty man of God, I mean, Paul was used of God to write the majority of the New Testament epistles. But the Bible says in Acts, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's what I'm going to encourage you, the listening audience of Reaching Out Radio International, to do. If you're listening to some teacher and, 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 and it sounds good, how are you going to check to see if it's right or if it's wrong? You must, no matter how much you like that individual, no matter how charismatic they are, sound good, exciting, um, you know, they, they, they make you feel tingly and all this kind of nonsense, check their message by examining the scriptures. And don't examine the scriptures every now and again. Do it daily. The Berean church they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul the Apostle was saying how we know. That's how we know. Any, if anybody comes with any other gospel, you and I are not to believe it. I want to give you that verse as well. Any other gospel... If they come up, sounds good, but it's not right. I tell you, about three different times, they try to, 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 to lure me in and tell me that, yes, you know, Jesus is back, but now he's just a woman. If Jesus is back, the whole world, let me tell you, is going to know Jesus is back. It's not going to be something hidden behind a bush. Okay? So, so now I'm going to read to you. I'm going to close out with this. Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. Galatians in the New Testament, chapter 1, 6 to 9. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's why we're called Christians, because we're following Christ, who is God. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Now, 
I'm going to give you a secret. I didn't plan to give you that verse and those verses from Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9 this evening. But as I'm preaching, the Spirit of the Lord just, just moved on me to give you that. Because somebody, it might be more than one or two people, are, 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 somebody's trying to confuse you. Somebody's trying to get you to leave the truth and to follow a lie. This is your wake-up call tonight. By God giving me this message, very clear, Jesus is God. And we don't have to look for another. Because nobody, nobody can do for you what God can do. And Jesus, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this word tonight. What an awesome God you are. That you would even reach out and bring this word for people that need this word. Need to understand very clearly that Jesus, you are God indeed. You're not just a good prophet. You're not just a good man that lived a long time ago. But you're God. The blessed son of God that came to the earth to give your life, and only God can do that. Give your life for our sin. We didn't deserve it, and we don't deserve it, but we are very grateful that you did so, that you love us this much. Father God, help every listener to just uh, thank you. Thank you for coming to the earth. Thank you for putting on human flesh. Thank you for being willing to pay the price for my sin and the sins of those that would listen to this broadcast. Thank you that we no longer have to live in sin, but we can have life everlasting through Jesus Christ, your son. Father, bless each listener. Draw them to you in these last days that we're living in. God, bring us to you. Give us great joy. Give us great peace. Give us great understanding. And let us never be confused or allow the enemy to confuse us in any way. Help us to resist the devil and know that he will flee in Jesus' name. God bless you. Sister Pearl loves you. This is In the Word with your Sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International. Until next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.